So today is Mother's Day. Yay. Yay, moms. Right? A day when families pay special tribute to moms in all kinds of ways. Right? We take them out to dinner. We buy them special gifts. We send them cards. And even if your mother is no longer living, you can still honor her memory. You can still take time today to recall all of those special times that you spent with them. To reminisce about things that they said and things that they did. And especially, you can take time today to reflect on the incredible influence that they have had on our individual lives. So, it's a day really that we can all participate in, in one way or another. In fact, later today, I plan on calling my own mom. And uh, some of you have met her. She's a very sweet lady. And thank her for all that she did and for all that she taught me when I was growing up. I mean, you know, just imparting lessons that have stayed with me to this day. Things like teaching my brother and I how to pray. In fact, I can still hear her saying, the two of you better pray that that Kool-Aid stain comes out of the carpet. (laughs) She instilled in us a sense of imagination. Like when she would say, don't do that again, or else. Leaving us to kind of mentally fill in the blank of whatever that horrible or else might happen to be. She taught my brother and I how to count, particularly up to the number 10. And she taught us about the conditions of cause and effect, like saying, if you fall out of there and break your legs, don't come running to me. Right? But seriously, though, I love my mom. She's, she is awesome. And mother, motherhood is a great and godly vocation. And in fact, in, in his writing, in the works of the larger catechism, Martin Luther explains that God has given motherhood a special position of honor higher than that of any walk of life under it, as he distinguishes father and mother above all other persons on earth and places them next to himself. So even though Mother's Day isn't a biblical holiday, it is an important one nonetheless, and it actually does in kind of a roundabout way fit in with today's appointed reading, the first of which I'm going to share with you comes from 1 Peter Chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. So hear now the words of the living and true God. Peter writes, So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. And you know, anyone with, with children can really kind of relate to Peter's words here, especially when you think about the time spent in feeding your kids as they grew up and, and working with them as they progressed from, from formula to, to baby food and then on to solid food. And, and it's an easy metaphor to understand as, as Peter compares that process with the way that children take in educational and spiritual content. And both of those processes in the majority of homes happen because of the influence of mom. That's why in God's eyes, motherhood is the highest station to which a woman can be called. And I want you to really think think about that for a minute. Let that sink in, especially in a day and in a time and in a culture that as a whole discourages motherhood. As our world tries to tell women that they need to be doing something important with their lives. But God says to us that the most important thing in life 
is that little child sitting across the table from you staring back. Because in the kingdom of God, no human vocation is higher than that of a parent. But you only have to turn on television to realize that we live in an upside-down world, don't we? A world that tells women that motherhood is a hindrance. Children are a drag. They'll hold you back. They'll sidetrack your career. They'll keep you from having fun. So now more than ever, we need to hear the truth that children are not an interruption of a person's life, work, and fulfillment, but children are a person's life, work, and fulfillment. Listen again to Martin Luther, this time as he expounds on the fourth commandment, which is to honor thy father and mother. He writes, It is a much higher thing to honor than to love. To honor our parents includes not only love, but also deference, humility, and modesty, all directed, so to speak, toward a majesty concealed within them. Did you catch that phrase? A majesty concealed within them? Meaning that the life's work of a mother is adorned with beauty and with dignity, but that it's often hidden from the unredeemed eyes of the world. They don't recognize it. Those unredeemed eyes of the world don't see motherhood's honored place in God's kingdom, and that's why the world is always pushing for unfamily planning and for career above children, because they don't see the majesty of motherhood. And even those of us that are in the faith, we don't always give mothers the respect that they deserve. Like the young boy who came bounding into the house after school one day, and he found his mom upstairs in bed, sick, under the covers, and, and that was so unlike her at that time of the day that he was really concerned, and he asked his mom if she was okay. Mom said, as, as a matter of fact, she really didn't feel too well, and so moved with compassion, the son said, well, Mom, don't, don't you worry about coming downstairs to fix me dinner, because I'll be happy to carry you down to the stove. I mean, after all, the boy had to eat, right? And, and food is a, is a big thing in our relationships between a mother and their kids. It's a means of nourishment and affection and celebration throughout all of the ups and downs of life. The only trouble is that no external celebration is endless and no pleasure is ever perfect in itself. That's why one theologian has written, the greatest use of one's life isn't found somewhere out there but it's found in the response of a mother, her response to the hungry eyes of an infant, to the inquisitive stare of a child, to the hopeful gaze of a youth, to the confident stride of a teenager and the poised independence of a young man or a woman stepping beyond the bounds of home for the very first time. In that same vein, another author said, the most important person on earth is a mother. She cannot claim the honor of having built Notre Dame Cathedral, and she need not. She has built something much more magnificent than any cathedral, but rather she has built a dwelling place for an immortal soul in the tiny perfection of her baby's body. And he goes on to say, the angels have not even been blessed with such a grace. They cannot share in God's creative miracle to bring new saints into existence. Only a human mother can. And he says that's why mothers are closer to God the Creator than any other creature, as God joins forces with mothers to perform the act of creation. So what on God's good earth is more glorious than this, he says, than to be a mother? And you know, that's one of the reasons that this church family as a body 
has such a regular support of the Pregnancy Care Center that's off Gall Boulevard here in Zephyr Hills. So over the last decade, that group has offered love and encouragement and, and practical help to pregnant women and to moms of all ages, where they can find out things about prenatal care and, and delivery options, and most importantly, about abortion alternatives. All because of their and our commitment to the sanctity of human life at every stage. And if any of you are interested in getting involved there, even if you only have a couple hours a week, they would love to have you. They would love to have you. And I think that's so important, especially because I personally believe that the Christian church as a whole has done a very poor job of helping young women feel that they would have a place of of help and acceptance among us as a church just when they need it the most. And so in desperation, they often turn to to unfortunate options that they will regret for the rest of their lives. One author who I agree with on this subject said, too few of us have inconvenienced ourselves to comfort a terrified teenager wondering what her future will hold. Too few of us have opened our homes and our hearts to receive these frightened girls, much less to receive the children if they should be born. Too few of us have been willing to talk to and to listen to our own children and to hear them as they struggle against the pressure to conform to the mores of a fallen world, only to wonder why when they end up in trouble. And not only that, he says, but as we preach this message of the gospel, it is highly likely, inevitable in fact, that we will reach women who have had abortions along with men who have encouraged women to pursue one. And he says we have the responsibility to ensure that they too find a place of refuge and grace inside the kingdom of God. Now make no mistake, we hate and condemn that that sin because it it is horrible in the extreme, but we can't forget the words of the apostle who warned all of us in 1 Corinthians, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. You see, as a body of believers, we can't excuse sin, but we have to courageously confront it in all of its forms. And everyone who persists in it, calling them to repentance and to faith, But at the same time, we can't reject them either. We would have to show them that through confession, the way to forgiveness and healing, so that all men and women can find hope and help in the family of the living God. Which really is why Mother's Day was started to begin with. If you don't know the the history of Mother's Day, the woman who is credited with founding it is a lady named Anna Jarvis. And her home church, the Methodist Church in Grafton, West Virginia, is called the Mother's Day Church because of her years of service and involvement there. A service that she was actually inspired to by her own mother, a lady named Anna Reeves Jarvis, who organized what she called Mother's Day Work Clubs back in the 1850s to provide medicine for the poor and nursing care for the sick and shelters for children at the time who had tuberculosis. And then when the Civil War broke out, she called together all of those clubs she had founded from the different states and asked them to make a pledge of friendship and goodwill between them so that their formation wouldn't be a casualty of this war. And in a remarkable display of courage, they actually did that. And with compassion, these wives and mothers nursed soldiers from both sides of the war back to health. And if that weren't enough, Anna Reeve Jarvis led the peacemaking effort after the war. She organized what she called Mother's Friendship Days to bring together families from both sides of the Mason-Dixon line. And so in honor of her memory and her legacy, when she died in 1907, her daughter held the very first 
Mother's Day in Grafton, West Virginia. So that in her words, the work of peacemaking and the war against poverty, which her mother began, would never be forgotten. We're still celebrating it today. And they weren't just celebrating the mere fact of bearing children, but rather they were celebrating what they had learned about the essential meaning of life for all of us. And it's there that you and I can begin to see the deep connection between the celebration of Mother's Day and the sacred themes of Eastertide. When you look at God's design for mothers in the creation of life and then Christ's sacrifice to redeem them, a sacrifice that, that all of us can understand. In fact, a sacrifice that, that mothers rightly understand. In fact, Vicki forwarded me a, a story earlier this week that she read about a math teacher who, who asked a boy in her class this question. She asked, suppose your mother baked a pie and there were seven of you, your parents and, and five children. What part of the pie would you get? Well, one-sixth of it, the boy replied. The boy said, no, no, I'm afraid you don't know your fractions. Remember, there are seven of you. The boy said, yeah, but you don't know my mom. Because mother would just say that she didn't want any pie anyway. Doesn't that sound like a mom? Right? In lots of ways, that reminded me of Vicky's mom, who for a long time I don't think ever ate a hot meal because she's always too busy running around at mealtime making sure everybody else is taken care of. Like a young, reminded me of a young father who was trying to explain the concept of marriage to his four-year-old daughter, and so he got out the family's wedding album thinking that showing her the pictures of the ceremony would help explain the idea of the wedding service. And when he was all finished showing his daughter the pictures, he said, now, honey, do you have any questions? The little girl pointed to the, the picture of the wedding party with her mom and dad standing there, and she asked, Daddy, is, is that the day that mommy came to work for us? Because a mother's work is really never done, is it? <laughs> I read another internet article earlier this week that uh, the man said, I don't know what it is about people, but we're always looking for the time in our lives when things are going to get easier. And he said that is especially true with mothers. He said, first you think, if you ever get through this pregnancy, it'll be a lot easier. But then comes night feedings and colic and croup. Then you think, well, when the baby can can walk and gets potty trained, things will be easier. <laughs> yeah, right. Or I'll bet it'll be easier when they can start fending for themselves and learn to do things on their own. Maybe it'll be easier when they get their license and they can haul themselves around for once. Or maybe when they go off to college, then, then things will get easier. What about when they're married and have kids of their own? Surely it's going to be easier, and then I can retire and catch up on my rest. But the article finishes by saying any of us who have ever been through those cycles know that it never gets any easier. Although I have heard that grandchildren are more fun. Is that true? Like the little four-year-old and six-year-old who would use their own money to buy their grandma a basket full of flowers for Mother's Day. She was thrilled. But the older of them had kind of a sad look on her face, so the grandmother looked at her and said, Now, honey, what's wrong? Grandma loves her present." That made, that made her smile a little bit, but it, she said, it wasn't really the one that Sissy and I wanted to get for you. It wasn't the one we picked out. There was a much bigger one at the flower shop we wanted for you. And it was real pretty, but Mom said it was way too expensive and, and wouldn't be right anyway. Said, but it had a great big ribbon on it that said, rest in peace. 
And we thought it would be just perfect for you because you're always asking if we could get a little peace for you so you could just rest. <laughs> because a mother's work is never done, isn't it? A man by the name of Joe Griffinberg wrote a poem to that effect. He writes, kneading bread and, and baking, hoeing and raking, a mother's work is never done. Cutting off crust and wiping up dust, a mother's work is never done. Raising children one by one, growing a garden for food and for fun, canning the yams and the beans and the jams, and shopping with thrift for just the perfect gift, traveling for miles to bring family smiles, taking care of the ill and paying the bills, a mother's work is never done. Being a mother is what you do best, forgiving mistakes and obliging the rest, loving us always in good times and in bad, making us smile whenever we're sad, sharing your wisdom and guiding our way, keeping us focused so we won't go astray. You've taught us to laugh and love and have fun. We thank you, dear mother, that your work is never done. And we do thank mothers for that, right? Because their work is never done. It, it continues through a mother's heartache, through her prayers, to her joys, all of those things. So my question for you out there this morning is, where are you in your journey of motherhood? Are you teaching others with your godly example? Do you have children that you need to pray for? Do you have a husband that you need to pray for? Or is it maybe you that might be the one that are in need of Christ's influence in your life right now? And whichever it is, my prayer for you this Mother's Day is that God would help you to recognize the majesty that he has concealed within mothers. Whether you are one or whether you have had one, that he would help you to see in every mundane motherly task the eternal cosmic significance that he has placed on who you are and what you do. And that, that God would help us to understand that the most radical, world-changing events may be happening silently and anonymously right inside the lives that your life influences. And for all of us, all of us, that what we have seen in part within a mother's love, we would see fully in God's love, as he bestows it not only for ourselves and and for our families, but for all of his children throughout the world. Happy Mother's Day. Let's pray together. God, our Father, we thank you for the influence of our mothers. We thank you, Lord, for the impact that they've had on our lives. We thank you, Father, for the gift of home and family and for all the ways, Lord, that you provide for us. And we thank you, Father, that in that love, we can see the great love that you had for us in your son, Jesus, as you send him to to call us home to you, Father. And so we dedicate this day not only to our mothers, but to recognizing, Lord, the love that you inspire in each of us. And so we thank you for your blessings and your peace. We ask, Father, that you would be with all of uh, the mothers as they go out today to celebrate in their various ways, and you would bring us back, Lord, again, safely to worship through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.